Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Mike Jay. I'm the Director of Special Projects at the Society. And this podcast series is where we have our global impact partners take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern. In this installment, we're going to have Bree Burks from Viva answer a few questions about uh, connecting patients, sites, and sponsors to improve clinical trials. Before we get started, uh, how are you doing, Bree? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Uh, but, and before we get into the questions, you can uh, take, take a minute to let everybody know who you are and what Viva has been up to lately. Well, thanks, everybody, for your time. Really appreciate it. I'm Bree Burks. I'm the Vice President of Strategy for Site Solutions here at Viva Systems. Up until about six months ago, all of my um, career was spent within academic medical centers functioning as a research site. So it's been a neat change for me to transition over to more of the technology solutions side. And um, at Viva, we have recently created a, a team here that wakes up and just thinks about how to empower and help sites through technology. So I'm excited to share some about that today. Okay, and we're looking forward to it. So uh, kind of to set the whole discussion up, um, the COVID-19 has highlighted a need for patients, sites, and sponsors to work together more efficiently, effectively, and remotely. Yet efforts to do so are often limited by systems and processes that limit data sharing and collaboration. So what we want to do is discuss with you some new opportunities to address this challenge by making it easier for study partners to work together across the full clinical trial lifestyle. So my first question to you is, can you tell us about some of the challenges the industry is facing in light of COVID-19? Sure, Mike. So I think you've got to first look at the fact that the different players in the industry are experiencing different challenges, right? So patients, you know, we've spent a lot of time most recently in our industry talking about being patient-centric. However, a lot of our studies were not initially developed with that in mind. I mean, how many patients were sitting at the seat of the table when a protocol was developed? How common yep. is that, right? However, you fast forward into what we're dealing with with COVID-19, right? And this is now having to think beyond not meeting our enrollment milestones, but we're now starting to think about patient safety. And, and we're really starting to think about patient burden, right? The burden yeah. of having to come to a site, the burden of having to communicate in person, provide things in person. How do we better meet the needs of patients? We've in concept talked about going virtual and now we have this immediate opportunity to have to do so. So really thinking about how we can encourage patients to be part of studies right now and often, you know, remotely part of studies is, is a pretty new immediate issue that we're dealing with from their perspective. From a site perspective, I think we're even thinking about basic needs right now, right? I mean, we're, we're thinking about how to operate virtual and innovate, but we're thinking about how do sites keep their doors open? So SCRS, right, you guys um, recently surveyed your site last year and found even before COVID, 59% of those sites have only three months or less of operating cash. I mean, it's very challenging to run a business that way. So 
So now when, when studies are pausing and halting and we know sites are generally paid based off of enrollment and that's challenging to support right now, sites are, are trying to meet basic needs. And then when you think about sponsors, you know, I'm, I'm interacting with sponsors in my role more now than I ever have and just the difficulty that they go through when it comes to developing treatment. I think most of us know that the development cycle for a new product can be around eight years. We've doubled yeah. the cost of what it takes to approve a drug here in the last 10 years. I mean, this is unsustainable for them, right? And I know as a site, I was pretty bogged down with logging into all different types of applications and not being able to standardize on technology. And you think about a sponsor and how much they have to outsource all these specialized services they need for a trial and all of their data and operations are living across many, many different vendors and many, many different systems. And this is an issue. So we're all experiencing issues. However, we're very dependent on one another, patient sites and sponsors, right, to get this work done. But we're not connected from a technology standpoint. And this has made working virtually even more difficult. So I think historically we've said, okay, when we think about all of our different perspectives, what's holding us back? It's possibly regulators. And, and we know, you know, I've been very impressed with how the FDA has encouraged innovation since COVID-19. Um, and we also, you know, more and more becoming electronic. However, with that, especially from a site perspective, we are seeing that this technology complexity is really distracting from the science itself. And now we're having to wear two hats, right? I've got to understand all the technology. And I also have to understand the science and the heart of the protocol and what we're trying to do here. So from a technology standpoint, as we're watching all of these, these different challenges, we're thinking about, okay, how do we empower connectivity? How do we make all of these groups more efficient? And, and truly from a site perspective, how do we empower sites? And I think we sort of heard a little bit, you know, uh, back a year and a half, two years ago, and I was a site myself hearing this, that, you know, this term sightless trials. And I think, I think most everyone in the industry has been educated and kind of come around to the fact that technology is going to empower research sites. It's not going to replace them and this incredible skill set that they have. So, so we're really watching all of these different needs from a technology perspective and thinking about how do we improve all of these transactions. Yeah, and I, um, I'm going to uh, see what you think about that. Uh, you brought up a couple of interesting points. Thanks for bringing up the survey that we put out. Um, I spent, uh, I was 15 years in a site network, so I have a, a background in that too. And um, two things you mentioned. Uh, one was um, that the, the sites with three months of operating cash, and that's what they said in the survey, uh, that was the most uh, common answer. I wouldn't call it popular, but definitely most common. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the virtual trials thing. So those two items were, um, we talked about it a lot last year. It was kind of a big uh, topic of discussion was the, the exploration into virtual trials. And it went from discussion to, you know, being shoved right into it. 
And then also sites finding out the difference between thinking they had three months of operating cash to finding out if they actually did or not. So mm -hmm. uh, two big issues right there. So what, what, what do you see as opportunities for improvement? What do you see as far as um, technology improvement and ways to work through this? Yeah. I think, right, improvement from the patient perspective, this is really the time where we've had to flip the model and say, okay, let's actually think about patients first. Because if I can't get a patient to participate in this trial because it's too burdensome, then I'm not going to go anywhere, right? And now people are valuing their safety and their time like never before as they're thinking about venturing out. And, you know, especially if you're part of a hospital or a clinical practice, patients are concerned about exposure, those types of things. Um, and so we're really now having to think about the patient first at the very concept of the protocol. I, I, I think I'm, I'm hearing a lot about that. We're also highlighting a lot of gaps and the way that, you know, we've, we've got a lot of technology out there, but how is it working either internally as a site? How is your technology connected as well as then how are you exchanging information with your site? I mean, I'm sorry, with your sponsors as well as with your patients. Do you have technology that your patients are able to interact with? And if so, is that interacting with other applications that you are working through as a site, right? So now we're really thinking about efficiency and being able to operate virtually and the connectivity of all of our technology. And I was trying to think through sort of an example of an industry that has done a good job at getting this right and banking for me really came to mind, right? They've really been transformed through technology. When you walk in a bank today, right, what do you see? You see coffee and you see tables where people are getting together and talking, but you don't see bars and money and these massive vaults storing all this cash, right? Because they've gone virtual and this has been very disruptive for them. And, and if you think about how were they able to do that? They weren't doing it where they were requiring their consumers, right? They were to download an app for everything. You use th these apps for this bank, these apps for that bank. They don't talk to one another. You know, you need this app to check your balance. You need this app to deposit. You need this app to transfer money from your bank, Bank of America, mm -hmm. to SunTrust, whatever. That would have been a nightmare. And that environment is highly complex and controlled. So it yeah, makes okay. you, right? It makes you step back say, and when, say, When's the ahead. last time you met a bank teller? I know. No kidding, right? Yeah. So they they look at the big picture, and they figured out how to work together. And they also figured out how to broker and exchange information across different parties that are part of that industry. And I think we've got a lot of work to do there from a clinical trials perspective still. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. And, and um so with all that said, so you're, uh, let's say, uh, and, and I interact with all kinds of sites. I mean, that's what we do. But uh, as far as um, actually speaking with them, I'm part of the, the site advocacy group program and, and all the surveys we do. But I also manage the online community, and there's a lot of discussion about this. And so what could I tell them if they say, okay, when you wake up tomorrow, mm -hmm. 
what do you have to what's the first thing you should consider doing to to in response to all this because that's the big question they have is they don't they're 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 reacting to uh, a lot of changes and they might not know what to do they might say okay if somebody could just give me something to concentrate on tomorrow to get started in the right direction do you have any opinions yeah. on that I would say tomorrow, what I would encourage sites to do is really think about the plan that they have in place to select their technology, right? So lack of options is not really the issue. And I'm thankful for that. There's a lot of options out there. However, sites really need to think about what does the right technology partner look like? And just to highlight from, from my point of view, you know, we have applications out there that are really more focused solutions where you've got systems that are solving specific problems. And in more of the sponsor and CRO world, what we've seen them migrate over to and really have a lot of success with is thinking about technology as an entire platform, right? Not technology, because you can sort of look at two different strategies from a technology standpoint as far as how is their information exchange happening across the technology that you're working with? Are you using integrations through APIs, just meaning you are having to manually connect lots of systems together so that those systems can talk? Or are you working with a technology partner that really has an entire suite of unified and connected applications? What that means is the burden is now not on you to actually manage all of those systems talking together. In my recent sort of site life before coming to a technology partner, and, and truly the thing that spurred me to make a career change was how much money we were spending on our own custom software. And we were just getting started and spending uh, in the group that I was in over a million dollars a year on building our own technology, and we couldn't even get it to integrate ourselves. A lot of the challenges there were, was, you know, as you make a change over here, there's downstream effects over there. And we had to start thinking about, this sounds silly, but, you know, what is the what is the process for making changes? There's a real cost here in managing if all of those changes over here in point A are going to break your, your software over here in point B, and now these things are not talking. We were even looking into purchasing, sounds kind of crazy, but technology to be like a robot and to, and to automatically look for broken connections across our software. This is expensive. And so yeah. I really started thinking about, okay, I purchased a lot of this technology because it has the ability to talk to one another, right? These, these applications I'm using all have very different purposes. But I would ask sites, how are you able to actually keep those integrations going across all of the technology that you have? What is your plan for that? And what is your cost? So my real point there is, are you looking for lots of different systems that support different needs? Are you really looking for technology from a platform approach where the burden is not on you to make that technology talk um, because it's all integrated? So that's a difference, as well as really thinking about things like the people behind the technology. So what is their experience? Can they talk 
the same language as you? Do they know what it's like to sit in your shoes? When you're explaining a process that's broken that the technology is not supporting, have they been there? Do they understand that? Um, as well as sort of the record of success and the vision for that company that you're working with. Where is that, you know, we're seeing a lot of acquisitions happen in our industry and where's that company going to be in three to five years? What's, what's their long-term vision? Are they going to be enfolded somewhere else? Maybe that's better, you know, maybe not, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. but, but really making sure you have alignment of your vision because sites have incredibly complex needs. And I think the ideal is that you can find a partner that understands that and can meet as many, many needs as sites have across a platform approach. Yeah, and sites are not known for having technology people on staff. And exactly. so you, you introduced yeah. a term that I hadn't heard before, which is a technology partner. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. yeah, so what would a, a um, I can, I'll give you two questions. You can answer both or neither is how would you define a technology partner uh, briefly? And then if a site decided, okay, I'm going to look for one and they just start going out on the internet and, and looking for uh, th these types of services, what are, several like key things they should look for when selecting a technology partner? Yeah, I would say when you're looking for a technology partner, my ideal would be that partner is sitting down with you and they're, they're helping you strategically plan what's going to be available, you know, for you. What, what are your needs going to be today and in the future? I think sites think about selecting technology based off of features that are available today. But a company's resources and vision, that's what drives what they're going to be able to offer tomorrow and long term. And that's really what you want to select when you're selecting a partner. You want to select somebody that aligns with your vision, your experience, and possibly is in the long haul with you as a site trying to meet many of your complex needs. And that's, that's thinking beyond just features that are available today, because the technology companies that exist for sites, I believe they really care about sites, and they're going right. to offer more in six months than what they have today. But what they're able to offer is really based on their resources and vision, and that's more of a partner. A partner is in it with you for the long haul, and it's not about solving one very specific issue. It's about thinking about about your needs as a whole as a site and partnering with you along the way, learning from you, building, you know, having you help design uh, their product long term. And it is, I think, a very different way for sites to think about technology because sites are not usually, you know, we're not, I know I was never trained to really think through how do you select technology partners? Right. How do you think beyond features? How do you put out things like RFPs and, you know, how do you then think about the real costs in your plan for managing integrations across so many different parts and pieces that you purchase? And sites are really facing having to make decisions like that today. All right. Well, um, well thanks very much for um, engaging us in, a, in, in this topic. Before we close out, uh, I'm sure you'd like to tell us a little bit about what Viva's doing in this area. Yeah. Well, I'd like to just kind of simply say that um, 
at Viva, we've, we've been known for, for more than 12 years for, for partnering with sponsors and CROs. And we have built out a pretty extensive platform of applications for them. And what we have done with some self-reflection over the last year, a little over a year, is think about the fact that we're not focused on the whole ecosystem of clinical trials. We've got to think about sites. And it's been my pleasure to be part of the site team at Viva now, where we are truly waking up and thinking about a platform approach for sites. And we're not talking about retrofitting technology that worked great for sponsors and CROs and sort of changing up a few things here and there and throwing it out for sites. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a dedicated team that is building applications for research sites um, based off of um, strategy, you know, and product people that have worked at research sites. The research sites are, are um, we're very excited that those are a primary customer for us here now at Viva. Um, and I think something else that's different for us as we think about sites is we're thinking about all sites. So we're not, you know, there's a lot of technology out there that's really more positioned to focus on small dedicated sites or larger health systems, academic medical centers, and they have different needs. Um, we have different applications for sites that really fit all site types. And we're really excited about that because when I think about a platform and I think about the whole ecosystem, not only are we thinking about sponsors and CROs, but we're thinking about every single type of site and how sponsors and CROs can work across those different sites to share information. Finally, what we're doing here at Viva, and this is an announcement we made actually just this week, is we are now creating patient technology for patients that are participating in clinical trials. That technology will be seamlessly integrated with our site technology, um, and it will provide patients with their own experience and their own application to um, participate in the clinical trial, as well as do things like launch virtual visits, um, complete patient-reported outcomes. So this has been a pretty exciting week for us here at v Viva as we really complete providing technology for the whole ecosystem um, and the way that we are going to be exchanging all of that information seamlessly is through um, technology like Site Connect that we also announced this week, which will be that broker exchanging information across sites and sponsors. So we're doing a lot of really neat things at Viva, and, and really the main takeaway is they're purpose-built um, for um, either sites or patients or sponsors, and we're going to be providing that seamless exchange in a way that our customers are not having to manually update. We're going to be doing those connections for them. So we would love to, if, if that sounds interesting to you as a site and you'd like to learn more about what we offer, including free Part 11 compliant technology for research sites, we'd love for you to reach out to us um, through sites.viva.com and um, take a look at what we're offering and get in touch. All right, sites.viva.com, right? Sites with an S? You got it. Viva, V-E-E-V-A.com. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Bree. 
for everybody who checked this out today, make sure you register for upcoming webinars and discussions. Look at our virtual summit series that we recorded a couple weeks ago. It was a good eight-part series. Uh, that was also complimentary to non-members. So no harm in going over to myscrs.org and checking out the webinars and the webinar archives. And also for members, you can see the SCRS Insight Journal. We publish that quarterly for members. In the member section of our website, myscrs.org. We appreciate, Bree, your participation and Viva's uh, partnership over the years. We look forward to bringing our members more content in the coming year. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.